traveling the world searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Good afternoon, equestrians. This is Scott Miller at the International Equine Network, bringing you our weekly report from Delray Beach, Florida. On today's program, we're going to talk about all of it, everything. We're going to talk about to hit it, and we're going to talk about to get it. And that's what it's all about here in the, at IEN. Um, one of the things that um, I want to talk about, and there seems to become a lot of controversy over the HISA program that uh, monitors and maintains uh, uh, safety regulations and all kinds of different things for um, the uh, thoroughbred industry. Uh, they were going to try to take it to all the industries, uh, the show horses, the quarter horses, the standard breads, but it, it, it's such a large project that it's going to be kind of hard to do. And uh, they, they've, um, has really got a lot of opposition uh, about their programming. And with all the race horses that died, the seven that died of Derby Week, and, you know, every week you see horses going down. And so Heisa kind of came in and thought maybe they'd take it kind of you know, help it along, straighten it out a little bit uh, by checking the horses before they run and making sure, you know, about the medications they were getting and, uh, you know, the the different things that, you know, you got to put into a horse to get to the races. Well, long story short, they've come up and, and uh, the problem is, is they really can't pinpoint what's causing the breakdowns. Um, some people say it's medications. Uh, a lot of trainers have trained horses when they're sore. Uh, you know, they've done a lot of things, a lot of things with it. Uh, you know, there's so many areas you, you could point to. Um, sometimes, uh, uh, some of the trainers thought it was about, um, in particular, we're talking about the thoroughbreds, that they started training them too early. Uh, they weren't fully grown. Uh, you know, there's just so many things that, that they, they, trying to find out uh, they tried thinking about feed is it is it uh, the feed um they looked at bone density they looked at muscle density uh the density of the heart the lungs uh you know one one thing after another and they really can't put their finger on it and so you know that that was kind of to be expected it's going to take a long time to you know complete a study on on equine safety um you know from being from from being full you know, up to the race date. Uh, you got you need statistics to compare uh, things with. For example, uh, when does a two-year-old go in training? Uh, a lot of times, uh, if a two-year-old uh, is, let's say, he's in training uh, on the track uh, in April or May, um, that horse could only really only be just a year and a half. He he, he could be a foal of February, you know, and he's not really a two-year-old yet. So they were thinking about things like that. Uh, uh, after a six-month uh, HISA anti-doping medication control program, no drugs have been found, which is good. They did a six-month study, and they found that they didn't have, uh, you know, it's not a drug situation. Um, so they're looking at all kinds of situations. And after me being uh, talking about it and hearing other people talking about it and everything, Unfortunately, it's my opinion, in my opinion alone, HISA will not work. 
we have too many trainers that are old school, too many trainers are set in their ways. And unfortunately, in the horse business, a trainer gets his trainer's license and he becomes, he knows it all. He becomes an instant 40-year experienced trainer. And that's the sad part about it. You can go by their barns and you can look at their operations and you can see how their horses run. And the I don't lie. That's been my saying for all my life, the I don't lie. You go in there and you can see if a horse is sore, if he's off. There's a lot of trainers that have trained horses on medication just to get them, you know, ready to go and fit to fit to do the fight. And, and you know, and, and it's sad. It's sad to see that happen. And, and they're going to fight it it's every which way that you can because they will not adhere to policy and regulations. They know better. That's not the way I run my barn. It's my horse. That's what they say, you know. And so I kind of think Heise is kind of going down the wrong path. They're just going to have to let, um, you know, the business run it as it does. And you know who you know who goes. You can walk into a top-notch barn, and you can see with your eye how nice and smooth it runs. And, you know, they're successful. Um, they're successful. And then you can go into, you know, a, a barn that's not really uh, spit and polished, and you can see, and they run, they run to the way they look, and that, that's kind of, you know, the sad part about it, you know. But unfortunately, that makes up the bulk of the industry. That makes up the bulk of the industry, and uh, you just gotta let it come and go, and you know, see what happens with it. But I, I'm a firm believer that you're going to have to have several years of study of um, the breakdowns of the horses. You've got to go back to the time that, you know, that they, uh, that they were bred uh, from the time they're full, uh, how they were managed, uh, you know, feed, uh, uh, training. Uh, you know, there's so many things that go into it, and especially like with the two-year-old. When you start training them on the track and, and their, their bones are, are young and they're growing and, and, and uh, you know, it's kind of a deal. Uh, that you got to watch every day. You got to watch them every day when they go out there because when the bone in a young horse is stressed, uh, you get um, what what they sometimes the best way to describe it would be buck shins, where their shins get sore, meaning that their their uh, bones are growing and they're being stressed, and you know it, it becomes it becomes a real problem, you know there. And a lot of times people will just medicate them uh, with topical uh, ointments. Uh, you know, like, um, like say ice or liniment, you know, that type of thing and get them as far as they can go. And then in the old days, they used to, uh, they used to what they call pin fire the shins, uh, you know, or they are blister the shins to tighten the skin up around, around that bone. And, and also, you know, you got to study, do studies like that. You know, who did that? When did they do it? How old were the horses when they did it? There's so much things, so many things that have to be done. Uh, for HISA to get into a regular, you know, regulatory type thing. Uh, you got to have studies. You got to have facts to back them up and everything. Uh, just recently, um, top name trainer, um, had a vet treat a horse, a pre-race of vet, uh, horse. And what happened is the horse won the race and he tested positive for a medication, you know, and so we got to look at, you know, how many, uh, hours out can you give a medication before it gets out of the system 
and every horse's system um, metabolically is not the same. They're all different. So you can't say, okay, well, 72 hours out. You know, your horse might need 74 hours out, uh, depending on, on, on the system. But there's a lot of arguments to that and, and you know, uh, about that. And, you know, it's just kind of different, you know. Um, like, for example, in a young horse, you got a, a young horse coming onto the track, and he's growing. He, every, every day is something different for him, and, and you got shoes on him, um, you know, and, and you just hope everything's right by your blacksmith, uh, that the shoes are, you know, doing good making adjustments along the way. And then yet again, you know, in Europe, a lot of these horses uh, go bare, what they call barefooted, no shoes, you know, when they first start training. So there's so much that we have to look at at, at the business, uh, you know, how, when, where, you know, what, uh, how, how, how much was the horse traumatized when he started training. Uh, you know, there's just so many things, and I think Heise is going to have a hard go of it. Uh, you know, that, that type of thing. But the only thing they can do is, is worry about medication. Uh, you know, make sure that, uh, they're not getting, you know, doped up and, and, you know, that type of thing. And, and that, that's a start right there. That's something that you can control because you can go back a few days and say, okay, well, this horse got, you know, so and so, uh, medication on, you know, two days ago, 72 hours out. You know, you, you can start seeing those things pop out. Um, I even had some people that were talking about uh, electrolytes, and Heiser talked about electrolytes, you know, not giving electrolytes on the day of the race and, and all like that. So, you know, um, that that was the interesting part. You get electrolytes every day, you know, and then like the barns that I've been in, we would uh, draw our horses off of feed uh, early in the morning. We'd feed them a little, a little breakfast in the morning of a race day. Uh, no lunch, and we would pull their hay like at 2 o'clock if they were running at 5.30. Um, if they had Lasix or medications that, um, uh, you know, uh, that they had, we would pull them off water, uh, you know, two hours before the race. You know, we would do that. And, and every trainer is a little different and everything. But electric lights are something that they get every day, and, and it's not going to hurt them. It's like... Me on the day if I were if I were going to run a race, uh, a marathon, uh, you know your body can only take so many electrolytes, and your body and the horse's body does not store electrolytes. It's, you drink it, it goes in and out, you know, and you're done. Electrolytes are really good to recoup. Uh, they're really good to give horses after they after they run. Uh, you know you can do them on a daily basis because they're training on a daily basis. But it's good to, you know, uh, uh, give them, give them electrolytes or what they call a jug after they run, you know, then you've got to replace something, replace that. And, and a lot of trainers, you know, they don't understand the, the, the position uh, of the lactic acid in the system. Uh, you know, how do they get the lactic acid out of the horse? You know, uh, there's so many things that they, that they need to do. And like I said, every trainer has his own way. They got their own stories, their own way, you know, and I'm not saying they're right or wrong. You know, it's just, it's something that needs to be, you know, taken into and listened to. Because a lot of them do have a lot of good things, you know, that they could do, you know, with them in there. But Heist is going to have a long, hard road to go. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, because rules and regulations in each state are different. 
And, you know, I, you don't know how many times I've, I've heard, well, you know, in so-and-so, in North Dakota, uh, you know, we're allowed this, you know, but you're not allowed it in Arizona. You know, and they don't, they don't figure it out. Uh, they don't know what is allowed in each state and what isn't allowed. And I always ask, if it's not allowed, why? That's my question, why? If you're allowed one medication in Kentucky and another one and, and you're not allowed that in Florida, I want to know why. But you never hear anybody ask that. You know, they just said, oh, well, I didn't know. So the thing is, I didn't know. But um, that's it for uh, HISA. Uh, just remember trainers and, and horse owners out there, know your rules and regulations, and, and only believe it if it's in black and white. That's what I say. Don't believe the stories. Believe it if it's in black and white. That's the thing that you need to do. And, uh, hey, let me tell you something. we got a couple of good things that we're going to talk about here some more. I'm going to rattle on. I'm going to bore you to death. Uh, if you want to call in, it's 323-744. 4831. It's 323-744-4831. And I'll answer any questions you've got on the horse business. Just call me and ask me. Um, the sales have been really going great. Uh, the sales in, in Keeneland were just fantastic. A multitude of million dollars, two million dollar horses were sold. Uh, Intimacy was a very hot stallion. It's uh, really moving along some horses. Violence is moving on uh, some nice horses. And so those are the ones that uh, be looking for coming up here in the future. Uh, and speaking of the future, uh, we got the 2023 sale dates uh, for Fasic Tipton, uh, October 23rd, 24th, 25th, and 26th, the Kentucky October yearling sales in Lexington. Um, then we have November 7th, just a few, a week later, the November sale for selected all mixed Lexington, uh, uh horses at Lexington. Um, those are real, those fall mix sales are really good because you can go get you a potential, uh, uh, bird mare, um, in fall or out of fall. And you can get you a potential racehorse that you could literally buy that day and the next month be running at Turfway or down at Gulfstream or Tampa, uh, you know, uh, in, in a week or so. Uh, that's November 7th, uh, to fall mix sales at Lexington. And then uh, right after a month later, we've got the December 5th uh, Mid-Atlantic uh, December mixed sales and horses of racing age at Timonium, Maryland on December 5th. And, you know, those, uh, I know I know a couple of guys uh, back in Kentucky, and they're school teachers. Uh, they're school teachers up at New Albany, Indiana. And these guys are crazy. They'll go to this mixed sale here, and they'll get them a horse to run uh, you know, and usually they're real cheap horses, uh, that, that, that they get, you know, they, they don't put a lot of money into them and they'll, they'll will and deal and back in the barn and get one for nothing hardly. But these guys go back there and it's so funny. Um, about 15 years ago, they got a real nice horse out of the sale and didn't know what to do with it. And they took it up to a uh, turfway and, and gave them to their trainer and they started running the horse. And the horse come back and uh, he went for them. It, you know, it wasn't a big purse, but you know, they won. And before you know it, uh, they're running the horse and he's running in twenty-five, thirty, forty thousand dollar allowances race, allowance races. And so, um, he was a gelding and so he had no potential for breeding. 
uh, and he got hurt, unfortunately, and it wasn't bad. But they took him off the track, and they made him into a pony at uh, at Ken's farm. And uh, this this horse was something else. Uh, he was a great pony. He's better pony than he ever would have been a racehorse at all. But you know, they, they spent about seventy five hundred dollars to get it, and it, and it was really good. So these sales, if you go to it and know what you want. You know, and go in there with expectations of getting a, getting a healthy horse, which you do, and uh, then coming out and, and having some fun with it, and that's what they did. So that that was at the November sale at, at Timonium uh, that, that they got that at Fazekin. I mean at Lexington. Um, the the December fifth Timonium sales horses of racing age. You can literally buy them on Saturday and run them on next week. Uh, so that that's a good one, and that's something that um, we talked about a long time ago. Um, there's a guy by the name of Eric Cherry, and he started a long time ago a digital um, uh, horse sales, and it, it was it's kind of like an eBay sale. Uh, we'll say the horse comes up, uh, goes up for bid on the first of the month, and then the third week of the month, uh, the horse uh, the bid on bidding on the horse closed. And uh, you can go to uh, his website, and you can see. Um, video you can see all the information that you need to see and every day when you get off work and you can come in you can see what the bid is and see if your bid was outbid and then like i said the third week of the month uh you come in there the bid closes it's like an ebay style uh, auction and uh, you you either bought a horse or you lost a horse you know so that's that's something that uh that's really taking on the digital things keelan's really getting big into that uh, they're really doing that. And it's interesting to see what's going on there. Okay, guys, now we're going to talk about what everybody's doing in the business. Uh, the horse business is really good now. It has been for a while. The pandemic's over. Can't complain about that. Blame that and everything. Uh, this third quarter here we have uh, severe weather was really played a factor. And you know how I talk about the weather, um, you know, in a horse racing business and putting that in your schedule. Uh, you know, over the last three or four months, we've had some of the races had to be uh, postponed or delayed, you know, because of weather. Uh, and when you, when you have a weather issue, you know, we'll take for rain, rain, for example, in New York here last week, they had, some really bad rains and, and they had to stop raining, uh, stop racing and stop training for two days, you know, and then go from there. Well, yeah, it's not raining today. It's nice out. It looks good, but you got to remember that once that water hits the track, that affects the, the that track's, uh, uh, quality of racing for the next three or four days, you know, and that's training. And if you got a fit horse, and you got him entered into a race, he's not going to lose anything by waiting out three or four days. But nevertheless, it takes them out of the rhythm, you know, what they're doing. So that, that makes it tough. And no matter where you go, you always got to deal with weather, whether it's hot, cold, rainy, snow, sleet, frozen, whatever. And, you know, I, I try to tell people, we're talking about the horse business in general. Oh, I hear so many people, oh, they're going to go broke. They're going to close, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. You know, it's just not going to happen. Well, let me tell you something. 
you can close the track down no matter where you're at, and it's going to have an economic impact on that area. That's for sure, but not as the business as a whole. And the reason I say that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, through the end of September, total wagering on U.S. races was down nearly 6.7%. It was down to $3.5 billion, and races run dropped about 6.9 to uh, dropped about 6.9 to 9.4 compared to the third quarter in 22, according to the figures released October 5th by Equimase. So we had some difference uh, in drops. Uh, Saratoga got hit by, uh, you know, a lot of rain this year uh, up there. We had uh, just across the country alone, uh, they were forced to reschedule or cancel programs due to Tropical Storm Hillary and on the West Coast, uh, severe thunderstorms and dangerous heat indexes. In the Midwest, Northwest, and Mid-Atlantic regions in late Ju July. So it was kind of a uniform thing that went all across the country. You know, we had our hot days, we had our rain days, we had just uh, uh, about everything that you can imagine, you know, had happened. Um, you know, I, I just, I, people just don't understand. Wagering on U.S. races in the third quarter of 2023 was $3,055,467,000. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, and it's constantly going. Um, U.S. Days uh, Racing, um, we had had across across the board, we had nine thousand four hundred forty-three races across the country. So literally, everybody's running. You know, approximately uh, ten races a day. A hundred horses are running a day, averaging about ten horses uh, a day. Uh, in the, in the race, you know, each race, which is really good. And, and I tell you, the business is, is so good that places like Belmont Park, for example, uh, it's going to be shut down for the next two years. Uh, they're building a sports facility. They're putting in a, a tapita ta uh, track, which is an artificial track. They're redoing the turf course. They're redoing the dirt uh, track. They're uh, redoing the stands, everything. Uh, you have hockey, uh, hockey arena on the Belmont facility now. The infield, they're going to really build up to make it a sports venue. And, and they're excited about that because I just see a lot of good things happening with that. Give somebody, uh, people to, places to go and, and things like that, you know, to, to do there. But see, Belmont's doing that. A lot of the tracks are redoing the surfaces of the tracks. They're expanding. Churchill Downs has expanded. They've got a whole new, uh, you know, clubhouse and grandstand area. You got a whole new paddock. They got a uh, new turf, new everything. Uh, you know, they do that. They're doing the barns up. And that's what, and that just goes to show you that the business, as much as you hear people say, oh, well, you know, I can't make it in the business. Well, you know, you got to reevaluate re your business plan and say, why can't I make it? Where am I going wrong? You know, that's what you got to do. And you got to do that because if you look all around you, you see the new track at Belmont. You see the new track at Churchill. You see all the different tracks, uh, uh, you know, uh, developing and, and adding on to their tracks. Uh, in Kentucky, you got uh, three new uh, harness tracks. Everybody said, oh, well, the harness business, harness business, harness business. 
but they reevaluated thinking, sure, we lost Pompano down here, but it wasn't because of the horsemen. It was because of management. You know, they just took, they're taking their facility in, in a different direction. You know, but yet on the other hand, in Kentucky, Keeneland and Churchill in Turfway Park all went together to become partners and they developed, uh, you know, harness racing in Kentucky. And it's my understanding from the people that I've talked about that have been there racing, it's really good. Purse money's good. Track's good. Facilities are good. You know, and that's what it's all about is expanding and making it, making it right. You know, uh, the business is good. It's solid. It's not going anywhere. A lot of the smaller places are going to be out of business because they just can't compete, you know, and get that, um, you know, that fan into the stands. And you, it's an entertainment business. You know, you got to do things to get them into the stands. You got to build a good relationship with the community and the state and the national organizations. And once you start doing that, you're in, you're in good shape. And I'm telling you right here and now in the horse business, if you don't have, you don't want because you don't know how to get it. That's the long and short of it. That's the long and short of it. You know, that's the problem. Just like a facility or, or a horse, you got to realize that you got a cheap horse. He's not going to make a lot of money. Time to send him on down the road, sell him from a show horse. You know, don't try to get something. Don't put money into something you're not going to get back. That, that's the whole long and short of it. You know, um, one of the things that we're, we're doing here again on, uh, on IEN, if you go to our website, IENTV.org, uh, you'll see, uh, we got on there today, America's Day at the Races. It's the last call to post. Uh, it's, it's, uh, featured races that we have. And, uh, it's called Racing Across America, uh, that we're doing. And it's got races from all over the country. Uh, like today, for example, is opening day at Keeneland. You'll see the Keeneland races. Uh, you'll see, you'll see everything uh, on there from multiple tracks across the country. In fact, our featured race index that we have for um, uh, the upcoming week here, we have October uh, 7th at Keeneland. We have the Coolmore Turf Mile. It's a million-dollar purse from Keen, live from Keeneland. Uh, Saturday the 14th uh, of October, we have Belmont. At the Big A, we have the Sands Point Stakes Race. It's a $200,000 race. Then we come back a week later, October 21st at Keeneland. We've got a grade two, uh, Lexington, uh, Lexus Raven, uh, run stakes. It's 350,000. And then, um, the next week at Belmont, we're back at Belmont. We have the Mother Goose stakes. October 28th, it's 250,000. And then Saturday, November 4th, live from Santa Anita Racetrack. On IENTV.org, America's Day is at the races, Breeders' Cup Day. We have $6 million in purse money being given. And that's going to be a real, real good day. You're going to see the best horses from all over the world. Uh, you know, it's going to be the best racing. It's the best telecast that we have in the horse industry. Uh, you know, of all the shows that are being done, interviews with all the celebrities, the jockeys, the owners. I have just a little bit of everything right there on, on Saturday. And actually on the four, on, on uh, the 3rd at Santa Anita, it's Ladies' Day, and we'll have all the uh, uh, lady uh, stake races that will be uh, featured 
uh, you know, from the Breeders' Cup. And you can see, and that's kind of the end of the season for uh, the thoroughbreds is the Breeders' Cup. Uh, then they, uh, they, <laughs> this is funny. They literally start in, in the, the racing at the Breeders' Cup, kind of like the NCAA tournament up there. But yet on the other hand, we got the two-year-old juvenile filly and the two-year-old juvenile uh, colt and gilding race, which starts off the triple crown for the 20, uh, 2024 season, the Kentucky Derby. And that, that starts off at, um, uh, at, uh, Santa Anita there. And then it goes, goes on and keeps going and going and going. We get all excited again. Uh, you know, and the, the thing that I, I have a hard time keeping up with is in, in this business, you, you, for years, you grow up. Well, you know that uh, Churchill's going to be open, you know, for the spring meet, certain days, Santa Anita, Del Mar, that type of thing, Saratoga. Well, now the Turfway is getting into uh, the mix of things. Um, they're going to run more winter dates. And, and, and the Racing Commission has given them that. And that's usually something that never was done before. And the reason they didn't have a lot of winter dates is because the purse money was not that good. Yeah, uh, you know, that, that was the odd part about it. It was just, it just wasn't that good. So now they couldn't keep, you know, enough horses there. Uh, uh, so now they, they've changed the, uh, the format. They've got, uh, more money, uh, better races. Uh, they, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. There's no way that you can, you know, get around that. Uh, Turfway opens, uh, for a 20-day holiday meet November 29th after Churchill Down Fall meet ends. The 52-day uh, spring uh, winter-spring uh, meet at Turfway is, uh, immediately follows that holiday meet. So they're going to have a little small meet um, in, from November, end of November to December, end of December. And then at the first of the year, they come back and they're going to uh, race their regular meet. So that's really good for horsemen because a lot of horsemen you know, find it difficult traveling, uh, you know, to pick up and go like say to Gulfstream or to Tampa or, you know, what have you, uh, for the, uh, you know, for the winter season. And so they'll be able to uh, run a good meet and make some money, uh, you know, at Turfway during the winter. And they're all excited about that, that they want to do. Um, then this, this isn't a, it's not a Heiser related thing. Uh, but, uh, Linda Rice, uh, uh, she got no ban on her infractions that she had. You know, we won't, won't go into that, but it dealt with, um, uh, it dealt with trying to enter horses and finding out whose horses were entered. And, you know, they're trying to find out, uh, you know, should I enter here? Well, no, because, you know, Joe, Joe Wilson over here, he's going to be, uh, entering into, you know, that race. So she was ducking, but basically what she's doing, she was finding out what horses were running in what races. As the, as the post positions were being pulled and you're not, you're not allowed to do that. So like if she saw a, a tough horse coming into her race that she was trying to get into and her number uh, hadn't been pulled yet, she would back out of it, back out, out of it. So it was a whole interesting thing. So they were going to give her uh, some time off and they decided not to and they fined her a hundred thousand dollars. You know, and that, that's a lot of money. Sometimes, you know, being off and getting a vacation might be good, 
but she was trying to manipulate the uh, the post position pulls, and that was that was tough, you know, for for her to do. But uh, she got caught, and like I said, it it didn't have nothing to do with Heisen or anything like that. It was just uh, you know the, the racing commission doing their 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 job and everything. And again, we're going back to, you know, how things are going. Everybody, you got to step up and keep up. You got to be, be on top of things, be the leader in whatever you're doing in the horse business and, and you can survive. Uh, Wanamakers to host the first New Jersey bread sale in partnership with the Thoroughbred Breeders Association of New Jersey. Wanamakers will be holding their first ever New Jersey bread sale November 16th. The uh, auction will occur just a month after the conclusion of the 2023 Mammoth Park meet, where New Jersey breads found immense success in both restricted and open races. Uh, the New Jersey bread program's coming along good, and they're very competitive in open competition. And we know that because when they come here in South Florida in the wintertime for, to Tampa and to, and to uh, Gulfstream, uh, they're very competitive. Uh, you know, and then once they get back home to New Jersey where they can run for state bread money, it just adds, you know, adds to what they're doing. Um, the, the Wanamakers is excited. The New Jersey Bread Mix Sale said uh, Mike, Michael Campbell, executive director of the Thoroughbred Breeders Association of New Jersey. Uh, the New Jersey Bread Program is gaining attention for breeders and owners across the country. The partnership with Wanamakers is a great benefit to New Jersey breeders who can sell their horses without stress of financial uh, commitment on bringing them to the sales. So they get to stay at home and sell their horses, and that's what it's all about, saving that money. With a dozen new, with a dozen New Jersey breads earning over uh, $100,000 in purse earnings during the uh, 51-day meet uh, in Monmouth Park, now is a great time to be involved in the New Jersey bread programs. Entries will open up November 6th, uh, and the catalog will be released November 8th. The entry fee for those looking to sell their New Jersey breads will be $300. That's a good deal. That is a good deal. Uh, the sale will be open to horses of all ages, and all entries must be registered with the Thoroughbred Breeders Association of New Jersey. For more information uh, on buying and selling process of Wanamakers, please visit www.wanamakers.com. Um, th this is something that, that needs to be done in every state. This is, you know, everybody says, oh, well, you know, I'll go to Keeneland, I'll go to Pasig Tipton, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go over to uh, uh, golf sales, that type of thing. I mean, that's good. You know, that's good to do that. But I tell you, if you got some homebreds, you don't have a lot of expenses to ship horses anywhere. You know, if you got a good horse, people are going to come and buy it. I, I think it's going to have a lot of success, you know, there with them. They don't have to go anywhere. And, you know, especially when you're at the end of the meet at Monmouth Park, you're, you're stable there. Uh, you know, so what? You stay around a couple weeks extra to, you know, run through the sales. You know, that's pretty good. And then, you, then you, if you don't sell, if you don't sell, then you can uh, go right on down to Tampa, you know, or to Gulfstream or to New Orleans or wherever you go in the wintertime. It's good. Um, and, and to show you how how things, you know, people are trying new things, uh, Fasic Tipton releases the Night of Stars catalog. Uh, Fasic Tipton has cataloged 246 
main catalog entries for the November sales. The company selected the mixed sale to be held in Lexington November 7th following the Breeders' Cup. The single session sale will begin at 2 p.m. Eastern, Eastern time. Now, the Fazit Tipton November sale annually offers a collection of the world's finest bloodstock. Uh, this year's catalog is once again outstanding, offering 55 graded stakes winners or producers of 26 grade one winners. So that's telling you, you know, when you go in there, you're going to have a bloodline that has immediately produced stakes winners. You know, and well, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that there's some bargains here. If you didn't lose a lot of money in the Breeders' Cup betting on them or getting your horse out there, that might be a sale to go to. We have uh, Eclipse champions, international champions, multiple Breeders' Cup winners, and a Kentucky Oaks winner. Sounds like our barn over at uh, our Fletcher barn over at uh, Palm Beach Downs in Delray here. And on the producer side, uh, buyers will find dams of Eclipse Ward winners, Breeders' Cup winners, a Royal Ascot winner. This, and see, that's important, a Royal Ascot winner. Somebody in Europe is bringing a horse over here knowing that it could really sell for a few big dollars over here, uh, you know, for a European uh, a grade one winner over there. The sale begins with... Uh, 135 winglings selected on pedigree and confirmation uh, before uh, uh, transitioning into racing. Broodmares, prospects, and broodmares uh, uh, singles uh, as the afternoon turns into evening. Um, the winglings have become a very important part of the sale uh, this year. Uh, we've tightened up our acceptance standards to ensure a high-quality group from the top to the bottom. It's a very good group of foals, uh, Browning said. The racing and breeding offerings are even deeper this year, as well as all the quality from beginning to end. It's it's one of the best catalogs they have. Uh, so, you know, that's something that you got to look to, uh, you know, see what they have there. And, you know, this business, you know, is really I'm – gonna, I'm going to name a horse, you know. That's what I'm going to have to do because I say it a lot. But uh, no, the, the, this business is really can be a profitable, fun business if you make it a fun business. You know, uh, that, that's that's the thing that you got to do. You got to get in there and make it a fun business. If your horse is not a good horse, can't run, got a problem, get rid of it. You know, get rid of it. Sell it for a show horse. Just whatever. Don't don't. Uh, tie yourself down to throwing money, good money after bad. And that's the problem that we have. You know, and you don't know how many times I've heard people say, Oh, I could be, I could be like that if I had 200 horses to train. Well, you know, that, that just don't fit. It's not volume of horses that you have. It's how you train that individual one to be a winner, you know, and out of 200 horses, you know what what's that mean do you have do you have the ability to go out and select a horse that's going to be a winner? Do you know what a winner looks like? Do you know how to train a winner? You know you don't need two hundred horses you don't you don't need look look at red strike he he comes in that guy he didn't have two hundred horses you know he he just had a handful of horses and they were running cheap up in Ohio. 
You know, he ran for a $30,000 tag two months before the Derby. You know, but he, he didn't have no 200 horses. You just got to know how to pick that right horse. And that's what you got to do. And, and also, there's just so many things here, you know, with the sales. Um, I like going to the sales because uh, I, I like to watch um, who buys what. Uh, you know, you see all the big people like uh, Ripoli and, and um, Pletcher and Lucas, and you know, you see how they're doing. What's her picking? So when you say, "Hey, maybe I'll pick one like him," but only for four hundred thousand dollars less, you know, it's not how much. The, and you know what? When those horses going to the starting gate. They don't know who their daddy is, who their mama is. They don't know how much they were paid for. They don't know none of that, you know. Uh, look at Secretary; it sold for for a sale in Virginia for seventeen thousand five hundred dollars, you know. So that, those are the kind of things that you see at the sales, and you can educate yourself, you know. You can educate yourself, um, you know. Forte uh, came out; he, he's been doing pretty good. He's got a quarter crack now. Uh, Todd's bringing him back uh, back along in the, in the right area to see how good he's going to be, how good he's going to do, and everything. There's just a lot to that. Uh, you know, in quarter cracks, like we talked before about a blacksmith, you got to find out, you know, what all needs to be done. you got to make sure you got a blacksmith that can get the, the right shoe fit to that quarter crack. There's a lot to that, you know, and getting that shoe fit just right so it can take pressure off of, of the crack itself. And everything. So um, that's Forte's coming up for uh, the Breeders' Cup up here in, in another two. Oh, gee, it was three weeks. Yeah, three weeks in the Breeders' Cup here. It's we're at the Preakness uh, that we talked about. The change, uh, the date change discussion still ongoing. Um, they're looking at to change the dates of the Preakness. And ideally, what they would like to do is have. The der- well, the Derby was always the first Saturday in May, and then usually it's the Preakness the second Saturday in May. So what they're looking at is to take the uh, uh, Derby, first Saturday in May, then three weeks later, which would be approximately the 21st of May, you know, or thereabouts, uh, and have the Preakness, and then three weeks after that have the Belmont, the Belmont Stakes. And that it's Saratoga because they're not going to have the Belmont at Saratoga for the next two years. So that's kind of what they were looking at. And the horsemen would really like that because the sooner they get to Saratoga, they can bring, they can start training and working and, and then have the five, you know, four or five week, uh, meet at Saratoga, which makes it good. They don't have to travel as much. You know, you can get to Saratoga and start training. Uh, you know, in April, and then if you got big stake races across the country that you need to go to, you know, you could just hop on a plane or, you know, get in a van and go. So for the horsemen, it's actually uh, a pretty good deal. And, and to be honest with you, over the last God knows how many years, uh, with the, the the Derby, you get three, four maybe that, that come out of the Derby, if that, to go on to the Preakness. And then out of the Preakness, you might get you know, one, two maybe, that would go on to the Belmont. 
and, and there's a lot of reasons that that, that it's called for us because one, uh, the Belmont's a mile and a half. Two, it's um, you know two weeks after the uh, after the um, or three weeks after the uh, uh, Preakness, and it makes it tough. It makes it tough because that puts you right on the cusp of, of um, the Haskell, uh, you know, the Travers, uh, a lot of big, you know, grade one million dollar races uh, that you go through. And so, you know, you kind of like say, hey, you know, I'll skip the Belmont and try to win the Travers or the Haskell or, you know, one of those races. And uh, so they're working that out. I think it's all, I think when they do make a decision, it's really going to benefit the horsemen. I really do. I think that's going to happen with that. So we'll see what happens with the date change there. Um, you know, I'd be honest with you. I think everybody wants to change it so they can get to Saratoga. It's been it's been April through uh, October at Saratoga, and not have to change change a lot. You know, you'll be ending up just uh, doing a, a spring, summer, fall meet. Uh, at Saratoga, and um, and then a winter meet in New Orleans or Gulfstream or you know wherever you go to, and uh, so that's uh, going to be interesting to see here. Hey, we got to, we got coming up here, uh, winning your end uh, for Breeders' Cup coming up in a month or so. Uh, let's see here. Let me get to my dates. Uh, let's see here, we got. Uh, Let's see, what do we got coming up here? Oh, we got the Pilgrim Stakes. It's a Breeders' Cup turf. Uh, that's on the fourth. We got the Miss Gorilla Stakes, uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly turf. So we'll see who comes out of those. And then, uh, we, we got the Alcibiades coming up, um, uh, today. We got the Alcibiades coming up today here at, uh, at King. We got the Jasmine, uh, Breeders' Cup turf for Phillies. Uh, today at Keeneland. Uh, we got the Phoenix Stakes Breeders' Cup Sprint at Keeneland. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, with those right there. Uh, you know, it's that time of year. It's that time of year. And, and you know, coming, I know I'm rambling a lot for you here, but I get so excited about it. Um, I just don't know what to do with myself. But, um, Right now, we have uh, our, our documentary that we're doing. It's called How They Get There. And uh, we, we do video interviews with the trainers, and uh, we get a lot of YouTube, and we get a lot of things for these, uh, for these uh, how they get there. It's about how they get to the 2024 Kentucky Derby. And what we do is we fo- start following them September 17th, um, and that was at the Iroquois at Churchill Downs. And so we had our winners there and you get points, you get derby points for that race. And there's never been a horse come out of the Iroquois that's won the Kentucky Derby. It's just sometimes a little bit too soon, you know, for those two year olds to be running, you know, in that kind of competition. Um, on Saturday, at Belmont at the Big A at 3.46 p.m., Eastern time, we will have the grade one champagne stakes. It's for two year olds and it's a great race. Uh, these guys are, are ready to roll. They're on their way on their road to the Derby. They're here in my old Kentucky home plate. 
this is 500,000 going a mile for two-year-olds. And we have a eight-horse field. And we have all the big trainers that are always in the derby. We've got Brad Cox has got, uh, let's see, one, two in here. Todd Fletcher's in here. Linda Rice, Chad Brown. Uh, we have, uh, uh, see who else? Steve Asmussen is in here. Uh, these two year olds are, have already run probably once or twice, maybe. Um, it's Saratoga more than likely. That's important to get on your resume, uh, a horse winning at Saratoga early, uh, you know, because then it puts you into a line for the Champagne Stakes that, uh, like I said, this year it's being run at, um, uh, at Aqueduct, and it's a good race. Post time is 3:46, Grade One, and we've got uh, an eight-horse field, and we get some of the big guns in there to see what's going on and get plenty of Derby points, which we will have the live. We will have a tape version uh, version of this race on our website. On our website, we'll have there. Then we have Keeneland. We've got a, a, a points race uh, getter for the Kentucky Derby 2024. It's uh, the Claiborne Breeders Futurity. It goes off at 514. You can see it on IENTV.org. That's a $600,000 going a mile on the 16th, which is a little bit uh, further than uh, we have over here for the Champagne Stakes. Uh, so this, this really gives the horse a, a good chance to go two turns and see what he's about. Uh, you know, this is really a good race. Uh, every year, it's always a good race. Uh, Forte won it last year and came uh, came back and won the Breeders' Cup, uh, you know, last year. Uh, this year, we've got nine horses in here. Uh, we have um, Brad Cox has got two in here. Dwayne Lucas, Kenny McPete. Uh, we have uh, Mike Maker uh, and Todd Fletcher. Todd Fletcher has got the eight, nine horse locked at O-C-K-E-D with Ortiz in the saddle. He's at a seven to five favorite. And how do they get these seven to five favorites in here? Uh, I don't know. How, how much is, how much of the reason he's the favorite is because that's Forte. That's what Forte did last year. But, uh, let me tell you, this, this is always a good race. Uh, it's a real short stretch at, at Keeneland. Uh, it sets up real good. Um, Forte closed last year, closed hard, and, and won the thing, and, and, and it proved to be good for him. But this is another derby race that we have, uh, prep race that we have for points, and so that's going to be interesting. And on the same day over there, like I was saying, we got the turf, the Kumar, Kumar turf. It's a grade one. They're going a mile on the turf. It's for three-year-olds and upward. And I'll tell you what, this is, this is loaded. Uh, Charlie Appleby's got Master of the Seas in there from Ireland. Um, you know, that, that horse is, is really good. And I'll tell you, this, uh, Beckman, um, he, he's from, uh, Canada and he's got a horse called Harlan Estate. It's a Canadian bred and that horse can fly out run. You know, he, he's just all over the place. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but, um, you know, the quality of racing that we're seeing now, it's from all over the world. You know, like, uh, like here in this race, 
You know, it's it's a million-dollar risk. We've got horses from Ireland, Kentucky, Great Britain, Kentucky, 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 Ontario, uh, Kentucky. Uh, you know, we've got fantastic horses here, great trainers, great trainers in here. Uh, you know, you, you'll see everything, and it's all quality. It's all quality. Then our last Derby Points race uh, is the American Pharaoh Stakes, the grade one. Uh, at um, Santa Anita, 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. It's a $300,000 race going a mile and a 16th for two-year-olds. Derby of points will be awarded. Uh, we've got Tim Yachton in here. we got Bob Baffert, Bob Baffert. Uh, and now this is what's interesting. This is what's interesting. We've got all the California trainers. And then lo and behold, what do you see? B-U, B-U, B-E-Y-O-U, has made the trip out to California for the Todd Pletcher stables. That's going to be an interesting mix. He's starting to test the waters out out front. It's the Mike Ripoli stables uh, that's going out there. And very, it's very rare to see an East Coast and Southeast Coast trainer go out to California. It's very rare. You don't see that too often. There's just something about it. I've experienced it before because I went out with horses that I, for the people that I had worked for, out to California to run in, you know, a lot of races. Now we were fortunate. I went out once with for D. Wayne Lucas. We had a horse in there, you know, that was really a strong horse. And, and he was good. Happy Alter from Miami. That year we had, I think it was like three or four trainers that, that came in, uh, you know, came from the East Coast and, and went out West. And a couple of the trainers, they left their horses out there because the money was good. And they just said, you know, why, why go back when we can run for the same amount or more, you know, here in, in California? Uh, you know, so uh, we had a horse called Farmaway that we took out there and they had a series of races called American, um, the American uh, championship. And it was all grade one races. And it was like, uh, uh, the, um, uh, Pimlico special. And, uh, there was one of the big races there. Uh, you know, uh, it, it was just, it was a great race series, but it was very taxing on the horses. And, uh, we were very lucky when we went, uh, three of the five races that went far away, set a track record. At Pimlico, going a mile and sixteenth, uh, and that track record—that was in nineteen. Oh, geez, let's see, that's back in nineteen ninety-one, and that track record still stands at, at Pimlico. Uh, you know, so we had quality horses, but you know, all in all, about what we talked about here today, and I rambled on and kind of confused everybody. And hopefully, I confused you enough to make you get interested in looking at our website or going out to a horse race or a horse show. Uh, all the, all the horses are coming in from the horse show, uh, here in South Florida. And it's really good. And, and actually South Florida has grown huge in, in the show horse industry, more so in the last few years, because we've got a quality facility here at Wellington. We've got a very, uh, a top of the line, state of the art, Best, best facility that you could ever see. 
And then what happens? We get one in uh, the World Equestrian Center. State of the art. It's a Disneyland for horses at the World Equestrian Center. They got any and everything. They got bait shops up there that make all kinds of cookies and candies. And they got restaurants and they got hotels, five-star hotels. Uh, they've got camping. They got everything up at the World Equestrian Center in Ocala. And uh, it's, you know, it's really great to see. Wellington. They got everything here in Wellington uh, that you could want as a horseman. State of the art. You know, then we're talking about, um, you know, Parker, Colorado. We're talking about, uh, uh, you know, Sargates in New York. Uh, uh, you know, out, out west, you know, we're looking at Thermal, California, Phoenix. Uh, there's all kinds of places, all show horses everywhere. And this is what we keep trying to tell our listeners, my, my one, one and a half listener that I got. Uh, we're trying to uh, explain to everybody that there, if you get online, Google horse events in your area. And you've got them from backyard, you know, uh, pony rides and shows all the way up to maybe sometimes, you know, a, a world-renowned uh, facility like uh, Wellington, where you see Olympic horses going. Shoot here at uh, Sunshine Meadows. We've got some of the best riders in the world that are here, that are stable here. You can come out and visit with us, and you can come out and see the horses, and you know, watch them train, and, and then go out and watch them show in Wellington. And uh, for a lot of the snowbirds, whenever you're down here, uh, you come out here and you can see the people that we have. And shoot, when you go back home to Ohio or to New York or Indiana or wherever you watch these horses show and shows up there. But, you know, the whole long and short of what we try to talk to you about today was the fact that just try. Just, you know, just try to see what's going on, you know, see who's doing what, you know, and go out and attend, attend to a, uh, you know, to a horse show somewhere where you're at. Uh, that's all you got to do. You know, go out and do that and, and and enjoy yourself and check back with us next week. And maybe we can get get uh, the most famous dog in equestrian history. His name is Carlos. He has a tack shop here at Sunshine Meadows. You got to stop in and see Carlos. He'll give you a good deal. Tell him that Scott sent you. You'll get a good deal at Sunshine and Horses. It's a tax shop at Welling at uh, Delray here at Sunshine Meadows. Folks, we'll talk to you next week, hopefully. Somebody will call me next week. Shoot, I'm going to go out and borrow money just so I can get people to call me on my show. Have a good one.